I go passing by. Even the nighthawks, they stifle their cries. While the alligator sleeps in his duckweed palm, I silently lap up water, then I swiftly abscond. There's mud in my veins and muck in my arteries. My breath is like sulfur, keeps away the mosquitoes and fleas. My teeth are sharper than green briar thorns. My heart is the place where bitterness is born. At daybreak, the red winged blackbirds sing of my misdeeds as they flip and flap and fly around in the cattail reeds. They sing, Swamp and Wolf, don't let the darkness go. There's someone that you need to find. They sing, Swamp and Wolf, don't let the darkness go. Welcome to the Swamp and Wolf Podcast. I'm Chris, and I'm sitting here with Michael Perkins. Hey, y'all. Uh, Michael, do you want to tell the folks a little bit about yourself? I'm Michael Perkins. I'm from Houston, Texas. I grew up in Southside Place. It's the smallest incorporated city, nine blocks long. I grew up across the street from the park. I was the first kid at the park. I was the last kid to leave the park, and I was always barefoot. Yeah, and you stay kind of true to that today. Minimalist footwear. Yeah, I'm barefoot here right now. I'm kind know. of enjoying our feet out. Chunkless. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, the other thing I like to talk about early on in the podcast is how we met. And uh, you actually, I guess Tom must have mentioned me to you, right? Gosh, yeah. I because believe he said that I have a friend that would like to record a podcast. That's what Tom said to you? I think so. Oh, interesting. Um, or did we climb first? No, uh, you followed me on Instagram a long time before we met. Oh my gosh, yeah, yeah. I guess the, what I was remembering when we came over to do the dinner. I came over one day Tom's. to Tom's place and you yeah. were there. And it wasn't a dinner night, it was yeah. just a random... You were kind of leaving and I was kind of showing up. Yeah, he was passing us off. But, uh... But yeah, he must have said something for you to follow me on Instagram, or I don't know. Why. Yeah, I did. But I followed you back, and okay, um, <laughs> I was like, I don't know who this guy is, but <laughs> we have Tom as a mutual friend, so I'll follow him. Thomas. Back. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> he prefers to be called Thomas. Mm-hmm. So I used to call him Tommy Boy. I did Tom. And now I'm calling him Thomas Boy. Thomas Boy. Because he likes. Yeah, it's good Thomas. to have boy, you know. <laughs> The boy moniker. I like to keep the boy moniker. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, <laughs> there's some interesting stuff that I've learned about you. Uh-huh. Like, I find kind of humorous a little bit. Because okay. I, I would be like, oh, you're into the minimalist footwear thing. Uh-huh. Do you run? And you're like, no, I jog. (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, oh, well, maybe we should go for a run sometime. He's like, we can jog. (laughs) Like, I'm not going to run, but I'll jog. Yeah. um, I have a joke with me and my buddy who I'm actually going to go work with out in Portland. um, And and we say, what are we we running from? Uh Uh-huh. You know, or what are we running to? Yeah. Um, That's kind of, we have a friend who is on Strava. Are you on Strava? No. 
I kind of like the social media. It's like Instagram for runners, mm-hmm. um, and it it is inspiring to to kind of scroll through there. Sometimes I try not to get caught in those those uh, feed traps. Yeah, um, but we have a buddy who you know, he puts out like seven minute miles, like six minute thirties, and I really admire his fervor. Um, and I, I found for me jogging was like the way to still live the rest of my life. Yeah. Because I was getting kind of just exhausted from the running. Yeah. Well, we went for a jog one day. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's very, very, uh, very at the rock gym. slow. Yeah, we went to the rock gym, we jogged. Mm-hmm. Very slow. Mm-hmm. Like slower than I kind of expected. Um, Probably like 15 minute miles slow. Yeah. You think it was? I think like close to like walking. I'd or be hunting. interested. I'd be interested to know. Yeah, I could. I basically could walk as fast as we were running. Yeah. Um, but you know, there's not that springy action. Mm-hmm. I guess like if it's like walking. a look. The fascia's moving at a different rate. Yeah, the tempo yeah. is different, and and the the intention of the running is from uh, is to jog the heart to get the heart to be in a particular zone. Yeah. Uh, and it's really, I've learned from Pavel Tetsulian, like, the way to develop true endurance, how the military develops endurance. Yeah, well, um, I feel like you're very intentional about movement and everything, mm-hmm. and we were, like, getting really playful with, uh, with jogging, and yeah. you're like, you could jog backwards, <laughs> you, could, you could carry a rock while you jog. Yeah, different size rocks. Different size rocks. Mm-hmm. You can switch, you know, one hand after and, a while. You can pass them to your friend. You can. He's carrying a heavier one. Maybe you take that one for a second. Let him have a lighter rock. Yeah, and I mean, I like that. I think I've talked about it on the podcast. You know, like mm-hmm. a lot of times in nature, we use our sight and our audio. Those are probably the two biggest things we use. You know, mm-hmm. but like sometimes you don't really touch much you know what i mean like you can go for a hike and you're not really like interacting touching everything mm-hmm. but it's such like a we have that sense why not use it you know what i mean and like you can do it while jogging and pick up things and touch things and yeah I, it kind of stimulates you know a part of your brain or something probably that doesn't get access if you just ignore it you know? i i feel you on that and it's it's one of the reasons why i don't like to wear shoes when i jog yeah i like to really wear barefoot so it's like you know bare it's, back it's easy at that pace that you're doing for sure sure and but so, like sometimes when i'm trying to go fast and go barefoot like i'll end up with these crazy blisters and stuff on the bottom of my feet but i well, think if i was jogging like that yeah, and that's the part of the feeling. It's a very symphonic experience. Um, I look at people, and I've been watching people for years, um, jog, running, and I've just seen these gates. It's like zombies. It's like people like have the headphones on, they're like doing the Nike thing, the culture, got the shoes on, they got the right outfit, and it's like the form is just like bleh. Mm-hmm. And I, it doesn't feel... I'm like found myself like judging and that, and it was really for my own self reflection. And it wasn't until recently that I even did like a half marathon distance. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was the jogging speed. I was like, you know what, man, like take it easy, Mike. Like 
just give, give it a go. And, and so I was, I incorporated it in, and one of the things that I was intentional about was feeling. And it's like this touching can happen with the hands mm -hmm. and that exploration. Well, the feet are also very like rich mm -hmm. in them. Uh, and nerves, kind of like the homunculus. Are you familiar with the homunculus? Um, mostly from the uh, <laughs> Full Metal Alchemist uh, perspective. Are you familiar with that? No, I'm not. <laughs> it's, uh, <laughs> it's I would an, love to be. It's an anime. Uh, okay. Full Metal Alchemist. It's like a write that one down. There's, um, for whatever reason, the enemies or the villains are called homunculi. Yeah. And they're like the seven deadly sins for whatever reason are like each one of their personas are in their names basically whoa i want to watch that there's so much richness in, in anime but like the culturally. homunculus is uh an alchemist kind of is it related to alchemy so the it in a way it could be as our bodies are related to alchemy the homunculus is a is a it's like a caricature um a, like a gross animation of of where the nerves Mm -hmm. um, from the sensing nerves, from your hands, your feet, your genitals, uh, your mouth, your lips, um, are there's kind of this like cartoon that's been that's built, and it shows of how many nerve endings there are, and it's like so there's a part located in your brain. It's worth looking into, it's, and kind of like where they're concentrated. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, and they're all kind of very close to each other. So like if you go get a foot massage, it's like very cl they're close to the genitals, so it's like almost as enjoyable so it kind of made me understand and appreciate Jesus a little bit better mm -hmm. you know, he's into washing people's feet and it's a very spiritual thing so that's kind of a, a big but also thing in like my life. are you saying it's also kind of a sexual thing well because so I it's believe like, everything's sort of a sexual thing right because it's all in our brains yeah I mean and unless sexual Quentin Tarantino yeah. like <laughs> in Pulp Fiction <laughs> yeah uh, there's a whole thing about like uh so, by the way, yeah. before I get too far ahead, I want to mention, in the episode with uh, Patrick Kelly. Patrick Kelly. Um, a previous podcast episode. Okay, cool. Um, I talked about getting a foot massage. Michael Perkins is the guy who oh, right kind on. of instigated that. He was, <laughs> he was the guy who was like, let's go get a foot massage. Yeah, um, before our dinner, our dim sum dinner. Yeah. Um, really get fully Chinese cultural. Yeah. Um, so this is the guy who inspired, for, for my podcast listeners, this is the guy who inspired the foot massage, uh, which is something that I would n never have done. Like, wow. you know, unless somebody prodded me or, you know. No prodding, it was all Not really ball. prodded. <laughs> but you know what I mean. Like, I, yeah, yeah. I would never seek that out on my own. I needed wow. someone yeah. else to like. Well, I was that's how I was introduced. I think, you know, that's kind of how I feel like we sort of get introduced to these things over time. It's right. It's like uh, one foot washes another. Yeah. Yeah, and I remember, like, thinking about Pulp Fiction mm -hmm. and the whole foot, well, foot massage thing and yeah. that. Because they talk about, like, how it's a very... If a guy is giving another guy's Oh, yeah, you had the a, guy. A foot oh, massage. No. Yeah. I'm just saying, if a guy is giving another guy's uh, girlfriend a foot massage, like, there's that's probably a little too much. You know, you know, like it's it's not, it's kind of a sexual act in a way. And even if be, even can, if you don't have a foot fetish, like, I want to say that uh, 
it's stimulating. You know, I would say in that situation that, that you were doing that other guy a favor. Um, but sometimes people don't want favors. And so it's important to yeah, ask. Yeah, potentially. It is important I mean, like, to if ask, you're not... you know, because some people do like favors. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, I have a story that I will not go into that involves me massaging another uh, man's woman woman's feet. But she did invite me to. It was late at night, but I now realize what my role was in it, and I'm much more like cognizant of those scenarios. Yeah. Do you want to go in more detail, or? I mean, yeah. So I ended up at like at a party, and I'm like, you know, afterwards. I, I, you know, late at night, I, and I, for whatever reason, I can just become much more, you know, affectionate, mm -hmm. and so I was feeling a little bit energetic and affectionate, and uh, I, I said, hey, would you like a foot massage? And she was like, ah, uh, you know, yeah, okay. <laughs> and I understand now, like in my power, how I, how I. Maybe that could have been a slight bit of coercion, and I, I, I'm more aware also of the facial expressions that I did see that I ignored from the boyfriend. Uh -huh. So, uh, and I actually very good friends with this guy, but I, I was thinking about it in the shower the other day because I'm the the relationships evolve, right? We're still always around for relationships. Um, there's like kind of a long tail, uh, and so um, yeah, and I, I. <laughs> I figured how I would make it up to myself is I would take him to go get a massage because mm -hmm. maybe that, you know, there was something there. And we, we would go to the same place, Happy Feet, and do a sauna and do, um, you know, have have the foot massage mm -hmm. experience. And it's because it's a glorious thing. It's very, I mean, how do you feel? How did you feel afterwards? Um, <clears throat> well, I think it was a real test in... Um adaptability I would say mm -hmm. because well first of all I like I remember you saying mm -hmm. when you like something like <laughs> you can let them know by like giving a little like moan or something yeah like a mm, you know and, and like <laughs> something of like ah yeah something that is, is like an actual physiological response for relaxation yeah and i because they don't speak i don't English. think i'm like very comfortable just doing that i'm like very quiet i i think like you potentially, have been quiet in the past i feel like that's something that you know i can potentially work on it's just like sure. letting if i feel a certain way and it makes me want to make a sound like just do it kind of thing. but like I I was very silent during the whole thing you were the whole time <laughs> I had really gotten into my head on that one and I now just it happens because I've spent so much time doing breath practice yeah and I'm so comfortable now in my space yeah and it's the way that I communicate with my massage my masseuse mm -hmm. and it's one of those things where it's like the name of the place is I like it like that and when someone touches me somewhere if I can like let them know that 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 is like that that's relaxing yeah. and then sometimes like it's yawn inducing yeah then um then i've found i've received back a lot more love and like attention yeah i mean it makes sense it's a form of communication yeah and i don't speak you know i do speak some chinese so now i can say and there's other ways to communicate with like body language obviously yeah but you know I think that that's probably a lot more straightforward. 
just vocalizing your yeah, yeah. Little, like, mm, and it's it's I get the most hilarious responses. So like I last time I got tickled like when we were with you, mm-hmm. the woman tickled me like in my little like and I was laughing and mm-hmm. I love laughing and it was like wow. Yeah. I said it and I but I really got into it that time and now it's just like the layers have gotten more and more and it's like all in now. Well, yeah, so basically uh there were times where I was really liking some of the yeah. uh, things that they were doing. Yeah. There were times that uh it was hurting a bit. Then did you let them know? No. So I had uh, a massage just yesterday. I was kind of tired and I went to Memorial Heights Massage. Great masseuse over there. It's kind of got like a 90s vibe. It's like kind of like nail spa kind of vibe, but um, really great service uh, and very well priced. And um, I, my neck sometimes, I guess my Adam's apple, yeah. when I turn over on my neck, um, that little place where we put their head, this has not been figured out yet because of numerous locations this has happened. Kind of crushed my Adam's apple. He was like, I was like, <laughs> like I'm getting like choked out because he's doing a uh, like a very strong massage. He's yeah. like, oh, you like it strong, huh? And I was like, bring it on, man. Like, yeah, give it to me. Yeah. Which is such a fun thing to say. I mean, you're like you at 21, 22. I would have been like, no man will ever massage Michael Perkins. Yeah. You know, I mean, I got shoulder rubs and stuff, but like, totally cool. And uh, and like like really like like someone I didn't know. I mean, I've been getting shoulder rubs, you know, since an, I have a, a friend Max Rowden, uh-huh. who would give me shoulder rubs, and that was probably my like entrance into like physical touch as a love language between friends. Mm-hmm. And uh, well, this guy, yeah. So I just let him know, and he was like, "Okay, I don't want to hurt you," because they're having to like. There's an experience that we have after that's going to dictate whether or not we want to come back to it. Yeah. Just like we have a relationship, like our communication has led us to communicating again, and, mm-hmm. and now we're recording it for the wonderful folks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so there's that. And then there's also times where it was very ticklish, right? Uh-huh. They're like touching your feet. Yeah. And it can be really ticklish. And, and what was your response to that? Like, how did you, did you... Sometimes I, like, fought really hard to not smile. You know? <laughs> like laugh. I'll be damned if they see me smile. And then other times, so but that's why I'm talking about like the yeah. whole thing felt like a test and adaptability. Cool. It's like can I, can I fight the feeling? Like I'm actually a very ticklish person. Okay. To the point where, when people tickle me, it makes me angry. You know what I mean? Wow. Because yeah, like yeah. I'm like too ticklish, and I'm like, don't, don't mm-hmm. do that. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? And I want to push them away and like... Yeah, yeah, they, they, it's, it's very sensitive, yeah. perhaps. Very sensitive, yeah. Yeah, so it was like, can I can I fight the like urge to like, mm-hmm. you know, can I be restrained? when it, Either like when I'm feeling pain or when I'm like being tickled. Sure, and so have you surrendered? Did you surrender? Yeah, just kind of like... Yeah. Um, it was interesting. There were times where I had to like kind of, uh, yeah, come back to breath or like, um, let my mind go somewhere else or like mm-hmm. things like that. Yeah. Um, I would I would prescribe two weeks of massage like every day and see where <laughs> you're on the other side of that. Yeah. <laughs> like if you after like two weeks, and I guess if you were to do like four week like thirty days. It would be like a whole new world, you know. I wonder, you know, like 
uh, if you would kind of gain some tolerance or something, you know what I mean? Like, a, well, I did, I have, yeah. I mean, over the years. same way, like you, you, you know, get an alcohol tolerance or things like that. Well, it becomes well, uh, hopefully, yeah, hopefully. To where you're like, oh, I just I'm no longer ticklish anymore, or I'm no longer feel pain when they do that. Well, there's a medicine component to it. And there's like a mind medicine. And there's kind of like a little bit of like psychology and somatic awareness that goes in with with massage. And there's a lot of healing that can happen. I think that was the whole deal with Jesus and the, the washing of the feet. Yeah. I mean, that was the other thing. So it was Pulp yeah. Fiction and then Jesus, you know. And I was yeah, like... Yeah, because they put your feet in warm water initially. This is the type of massage we're talking about is a reflexology massage. Right. For an hour over Memorial Heights reflexology, it's like $35. Mm-hmm. I mean... Like I've had bigger bar tabs and I've felt worse. Mm-hmm. The you know, and this is like for me such a huge way that I do self care for myself, and along with the jogging. So I, there was a guy Scott Sonnen years ago who gave me this piece of advice. He's like, when I train older people, this is through, like YouTube or like, you know, like uh, online resources, which is an awesome time that we live in where you can like not know someone but like refer to their advice, mm-hmm. um, and uh, so he was like when we get older we have to train in a way that we're not damaging ourselves as much yeah and so that's been something I've had to be begun transitioning into mm-hmm. is to be gentle yeah and there's like a firmness that can come with gentle right and so that's uh, yeah that's kind of been the really awesome to meditate on I think that's a great thing to consider <laughs> I, I'm kind of uh, I'm kind of in this space right now where it's like I only really want to do things that are fun. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I would say that our relationship would reflect that. I don't want to... Honestly, I don't <clears throat> I don't run unless it's the hash. And I've talked about the hash on the podcast. The Hash House Harriers, it's like this drinking and running club. And it's a game. I mean, like, somebody is marking a trail using baking flour and symbols on the ground, and we have to try to follow so it. So fun. And I can't get motivated to, like, wake up in the morning and go for a run. Like, I've got I've got to have somebody, like... I did that this morning. You know what I mean? <laughs> I want to be, like, yeah, chasing, yeah. chasing somebody or, like, running on this trail and trying to solve... It's like a puzzle, you know? Cause, yeah. Because there will be times where they lay a mark on the ground and they're not telling you which direction it goes, but they're saying it changes direction. And oh, so... Oh, well, yeah, good symbol. So... Yeah. Um, so basically, you know, we start checking in each direction and looking for the next mark. With, like, multiple people. And they're, like, coming back. It's almost kind of reminding me of warfare, kind of, like, a type of thing. Where you're, like, having to, like... It started in 1938 by, like, British expats in Kuala Lumpur. Okay. Um, Sounds, like, very military-based. Yeah, it was, like, ex-military <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I, like, came from Boy Scout. You know, it was a Boy Scout. That's about as far as I made it into, like military-esque and I carry a USAA account I mean you know my grandfather was a reserve reserve but But go on but I'm thinking about what you said yeah and I'm just like dude I fucking hurt myself last night dude you explained it to me pretty good (laughs) like slipped out dug the hip can't even squat (laughs) like so I don't mind some of the ways that I hurt myself in the hash like this stuff I kind of like 
I'm showing my shin. Yeah, you like that. You like I me. Mean, that's like a like, badge of um, honor. There's so we run each other through. I was actually the hare last night. Yeah, so I was the one laying the trail using baking flour. Yeah. And uh, I ran them through. What sound does the hare make? <laughs> um, hopefully, no sound. You <laughs> don't want them to catch you. Yeah, that's good. Um, so. Uh, Padded feet. Yeah. Um, I was running them through all kinds of briars and. You know, blackberry, green briar. Oh, like you were like really laying it on them, like a real, I'm, like a true route, like a bri- like a briar patch. Yeah, there were times where I was on my hands and knees, crawling, <clears throat> crawling in the mud, and oh. and I'm small, and some of these guys are like big, you know. So and it's kind of like, like, haha. Yeah, um, running with the hair. So <clears throat> don't throw me in the briar patch. Uh, I don't mind getting cut up by those briars and stuff but i was telling michael earlier like mm-hmm. i was running on the slope and there was all this leaf litter and the leaf litter slid out and my feet slid out to the right fr- from under me and my l- left hip just like landed hard on this stump like this, banana like, peel kind of slid. this cut stump yeah um with like a sharp edge on it you know like and uh yeah, I can't squat down. Like it, it takes me <laughs> way longer to squat down than it should. I'm just like yeah. wincing, and I got this bruise on my hip, and I'm like, "What am I doing?" Like, I mean, it was fun. It was yeah, fun. It's fun. But, I, I, but I need to like take care of myself. A I too. mean, okay, how old are you? <laughs> thirty-two. Yeah, Chris, I'm thirty-two. I'll be thirty-three April eleventh. Yeah, um, it's my thirty-third birthday. And Jesus has come up a few times. I was raised as a Christian faith in the Church of Christ. And that's my Jesus birthday. It's when they hung Jesus on the cross. And I'm done suffering is kind of where I'm at. And I'm ready to pass it on to Jesus. That's the way, the story, right? Jesus is suffering for everyone's sins. Mm-hmm. Not to be, not in like like the religious sense that I want everyone to go to church, but like I see kind of what the message is. Um, and I, saw, I was driving on my scooter the other day and it was like, my, my yoke is loose and my load is light. And I love that. As like uh, <clears throat> as a saying, but I mean it's a Bible verse, and that just really spoke to me. And I was riding on my scooter, just like wow, like flying down the road, and I was just so elated uh, as that spoke to me. Um, what does that mean to you? So that's like jogging. You know, it's like when when your give, yoke when, is loose. The yoke is loose. So that's what, what they, is that? When, I know, but like, what does that mean a full, to you? Like when, when I know what it literally means, but what does that mean? To you? So it's like um, it's like I have a light heart, you know. Like I don't, I'm, my burden, my burden um, is is enough for me to handle. Like I'm strong enough for it. And I think that the message from the church is, is a Baptist church. This is up like in North Houston, <laughs> and it's like you know when when we have community, uh, we or we are close with God or higher power, it's. Uh, there's a lot of goodness and gratitude and to be to be sharing. And so that was just kind of goes along with the jog. It's like I'm jogging literally with a light heart when I go out to do these jogs. Like it's just like I'm listening to my heart. And I, I, how I first did it was I put a watch on. Mm-hmm. And I thought, man, I had found some, like I had listened to Pavel Tatsuli and then I was like, man, slow jogging. Like I wonder who's done slow jogging i want to include a link can we include a youtube link yeah slow jogging is like to go along with the uh 
I think you need to put out some videos. <clears throat> I, well, I would love. I mean, I I am. Kind of, yeah, I do. Thank you. Great. You can help me out editing. Yeah, maybe? I'll, I'll okay. I'll jog alongside and film. So this is so there's already the phenomenon, um, and it's this Japanese man, and it kind of goes with the uh, the anime we were talking about. It's like a hilariously like perfect YouTube video example of like. East meets West mentality. Mm-hmm. It's gorgeous. Along with like these sounds, these like rich, like, like is that a bell or is yeah, that kind a... of like a bell, like, and it's like it's like memory. It's as if I mean the video has these components in it that's like was super indelible for me. Like after I saw it, I was like, wow. And I kind of share it as like a let's check this out kind of thing, and I share it with certain people like that I kind of would might. Prescribe the medicine too. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I think I <clears throat> I was in the space where I was like getting pretty regular with certain forms of exercise, and I'm in this space now where like, dude, my days are so up in the air with like what I'm gonna do. I I don't know. I feel like mm-hmm. um a little bit of like maybe social burnout or something. You know, like mm-hmm. p- you hear about burnout with like work a lot. Yeah, but I feel like I'm doing something almost every night, you know, with like one person or another. Ah, like, you need some time for Chris. Yeah, <laughs> I had a lot of that at the beginning of the pandemic. You know? Okay. And I honestly, I I was like, you know, people were like, oh, these uh, poor like single people. Oh, I remember hearing that. You know, like I was was I there? What? I don't know. I don't Maybe know. Maybe a few people talk about that. Yeah, it's like they're probably struggling a lot. You know, like they, they're alone. They're single. Well, if anyone is like a singular person, that is like no man is an island unto himself. You know, like we should all be like a peninsula. Otherwise, that's like a mental health situation, right? When it's just one person. Well, um, that's true. Yeah, I, I, um, I guess the thing that happened to me at the beginning of the pandemic, which I've talked about multiple times on the podcast, you know, I. I had a lot of self-discovery at the beginning of the pandemic, mm-hmm. and I was in this space where, oh, um, sure, um, it's a rabbit pellet. Look, it's like it's rabbit food. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, uh, <clears throat> meditation and mm-hmm. yoga, and what does yoga mean for you? So I do yin. Oh, great. I love that style. And um, I meditate during it. You know okay, what I mean? Yeah. Like, so. Contemplate? I guess I've done it. I do it multiple ways right now. So. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes I'll put music on. I've got a playlist mm-hmm. um, that I like to use. Sometimes I like to um, do it in silence. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I like to read a book while I do it. Oh wow! Because um, yeah, yeah, and you're holding poses, and I found like I can read while I do this. And sure, heck yeah. Multitask, and I tend to read like books that I like. My favorite style yeah, of book. Can is, we like, go books? Are we going books on this podcast right here? Um, like titles, or just like your favorite? I've talked about some on the podcast. Okay. Um, because I brought some books that I'd like to just like put out there as my most recent reading list. Yeah. yeah. Um. But they tend to have, like... My favorite style of book is a fictional book that has mm-hmm. f- 
philosophical or existential. Existential, yeah. I totally Um, drive with that. Like a, like a, uh, the prophet Khalil Gibran or Zen and the art of motorcycle maintenance. Yeah. Um, so, um, yeah, those are like the things I like to do during, during yoga. Mm -hmm. And then at the end I do a Shavasana, you know, where I just meditate. Do you say the Om Shanti? I tend, I don't really... Shanti. But I do have things that I say after mm-hmm. my practice. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's getting longer and longer. <laughs> Which I'm okay with. Like I, a, yeah. This the is prayer is getting that, longer. It's like things that I want to say to remind myself of how to be and how to, you know. Awesome. I have something I say to myself pretty regularly. It's a Boy Scout law. Mm-hmm. So I'm trustworthy, loyal, honest, helpful, friendly, courteous, kind, obedient, cheerful, thrifty, brave, clean, and reverent. And that's kind of a fun one that I learned a long time ago. And it's like, wow, that's an awesome value system that I think has been was ingrained in me by Boy Scouts of America. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's in, it's you know also fascinating that I was part of that, and now it's having its own kind of like uh, its own crisis, its own identity crisis. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's only something I know cursory about but th- that was an awesome thing for me to learn I love I love those little kind of things what are the kind of like what kind of sayings well um Ram Dass are you familiar with Ram Dass mm-hmm. you know I say I am loving awareness I'll, I'll do I'll throw that in there I am loving awareness mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and then um after my dog passed um mm. I incorporated be more like hey Duke live in the moment and love everyone because that's mm. how he acted you know he yeah. was just like always up for whatever he mm-hmm. was always in the moment he was always loving to everyone he met you know what I mean yeah and so he was like a constant reminder of how to be and it took it kind of like took the end <sighs> to like once he was gone to like be like wow he really you know was a teacher to me he the taught funeral, me yeah he taught me so many things and i you know looking back i'm like super grateful that he was able to that we had that experience and he he could teach me that you know but yeah uh so yeah um those are Mm-hmm. I learned one recently. I think would speak to your um, like your how much enjoyment you found in the hash, and it was actually from a fortune cookie in Portland, mm-hmm. uh, and it read, "A man without aim is like a clock without hands, mm-hmm. useless as it turns, as if it stands." And it's a, it's kind of I, it wrestled with me for a while. I was like, "What does that even mean?" So quick, say, say it one more time. Um, a man without aim. Is like a clock without hands, useless as it turns, as if it stands. Okay. It has to do with ambition. Uh huh. So, and and that could be, you know, it doesn't have to be like a long arching ambition. It could be like a, a twenty-four hour kind of thing, like a day. Like today, I'd like to get some fitness in. Yeah. And and um. And I've been able to string, you know, that one. That one's so resonantly powerful for me right now, and I find myself saying it pretty often. And it goes along with my, with my uh, bow practice mm-hmm. that I've like very diligently been practicing it. Mm-hmm. 
um, uh, in my garage. It's pretty mm -hmm. fun. Mm -hmm. uh, my father was a bow hunter. Mm -hmm. He got he got uh, four deer, and then he's got so he's got some more stories there. Um, and I actually shot my first doe with the crossbow. So hunting is like hunting and wildlife management that results from that is like a very important stewardship that I'm growing into. Yeah. Um, and uh, like the shirt that you're wearing. Big Ben. With the Roadrunner. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, so. well, that's interesting. Uh, you know, one thing that came up mm -hmm. uh, the other night when you were eating at Tom's tom's restaurant uh-huh yeah yeah <laughs> so tom's i was helping restaurant. i was helping tom by the way we're talking about tom a lot tom is on a previous episode uh about addiction so if you're interested oh man i'd love to riff, riff on that yeah i got one for you on that big time but um one thing that came up that night as he was like hey can you look up uh, a video on how to cut open a sea urchin oh wow he actually got and, the sea urchin and like how to do that and he I was did. like I was like yeah I can look that up and he's like okay yeah cause you're gonna be doing that tonight and I was like is it alive and he's like yeah and I'm like I'm not doing that like I'm pretty open to things but I just I'm not gonna what did you what were you not gonna do I'm not comfortable Hard taking a, taking a live what creature was your, it and was your taking language, its yeah. life like, uh -huh. like that and it's just not me and that's kind of the reason I became vegetarian in the first place okay and it was a good reminder. Russell that. Brand has a good Joe Rogan podcast where they go back and forth on it. So, Russell Brand, by the way, <laughs> I'm referencing a lot of very previous, handsome British man. I'm bringing up a lot of previous <laughs> podcast episodes, but on the William Blake episode, are you familiar with William Blake? You know, I think you asked me. Okay. Um, I'd it, like to be. Okay. Well, I did an episode about William Blake. I think it was two episodes ago, and I was thinking about Russell Brand at one point. He's a big William Blake fan, um, and that's the name that I was trying to remember. So for anyone who's like keeping up, <laughs> and there was that name that I can re remember. That's who I was trying to um, talk about. Okay, but yeah. So mm -hmm. basically, I've been a bit more flexible mm -hmm. with my vegetarianism since March. Yeah, I had it? that I had that ayahuasca experience. Oh, cool! I've been more open to like new things, right? Yeah. And uh, have you seen Secret Life of Plants? I have. Yeah. Are you aware that they're conscious? Well, I don't think I don't think we can explain consciousness on that level. Like, it's not. It's uh, fair enough. I'll leave it's the ball so in the un on that one. It's so unfathomable, unfathomable <clears throat> to me. That they are consciously feeling things as much as they are responding to stimuli. You know what I mean? Like they don't have, they don't have a central nervous system. They don't have a nerve ganglia. Like, I mean, we're talking about. I think I think we're going to agree to disagree on this one. I mean, all right. <laughs> <laughs> I've studied plants. Playfully, and, playfully, I have I have not studied too many. And I, I think that responding to stimuli is not the same. And I also, I will say that, especially when it comes to fruit, all we're doing is oh, what the sure. plant intended us, Fruit's helpful, yeah. intended us to do. Yeah. Like, the reason that they make a fruit that's tasty mm -hmm. 
is because they want other things to eat it and spread the seeds around. Like and rabbits, the reason why they make rabbits so tasty. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I'm, the difference there is like, <laughs> you know, we eat the like, yeah. we eat this fruit uh-huh. and we spread it. Mm-hmm. We're spreading the the seeds of it. Yeah. You know, ideally, if we were to consume the seeds, or if we throw well, them there's some cool whatever. wildlife. I think there's some but wildlife. But if you eat a rabbit, aspects. you're not helping that rabbit reproduce. By Actually, it. in a weird way, one is helping a rabbit reproduce because there's like balance. To that, that's for uh, refer to the Russell Brand. And I think Joe what Rogan you are talking that. about is uh, carrying capacity, mm-hmm. maybe. Yeah, it's like where, wildlife management concept, probably. Where basically populations get out of control, mm-hmm. um, and then resources are limited. Yeah, or like the, you know, the predators increase, or they decrease based on like the flow of these populations that are right. like somewhat mathematical. And I get that, and I get that. I honestly, I'm okay with other people hunting if sure. they have an environmental perspective in mind yes that's you know exactly I mean? right exactly. i'm okay with that yeah yeah, yeah. but you, you what want I, stewardship and like like mm-hmm, but management i can't do it of course i can't so Tom cut i up can't and, take a deer's life i can't take an urchin's like a sea urchin's life yeah. um it's too hard for me i'm not yeah. i'm not gonna take a pair of like kitchen scissors and cut into this living creature like i i that's a um, little like hard for me to swallow I just was like no oh, I'm not gonna do that don't swallow the scissors <laughs> or the sear yeah yeah a little spiky I, I feel you I feel you um, well I ate that sear and I love uh, what Thomas is doing with Reiki Na I think he's doing great things and I I like I said I've been flexible about what I've been eating mm-hmm. since then and I it's not that I'm eating a lot yeah. of meat or animals in general mm-hmm I've actually always, before this, been pro uh, entomophagy, okay. e- eating insects. Ooh, yeah, I'm big down. I'm, I'm pro that for sure. Because mostly to like fight stigma against it. You know what I mean? Like, um, I would want to eat insects. If you it... just don't think they're like hideous and they should they should all die? No, <laughs> not at all. I should show you my insect collection. I would like this. I was wondering what those boxes were over there. Um, but, uh, no, because if I'm out and they have insects on the menu... You eat them. I want to put... I want other people to eat them. So Kuchara has insects on the menu. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. And uh, the Zochi. I think it's called Zochi. Zochi, okay. It's run by the thing. I think the same. The people. Health Museum also sells... Is a big fan of Entophagy, and they... they uh, they will, from time to time, have people come and cook food, and they have these like cricket bars that they carry. Yeah. Well, so I want to bring them to the table, and I want to try them so that other people feel comfortable trying them. Yeah. Wow. That is. is this is your personal collection. Yes. Yeah, Dude, collection. this is like from my childhood. Like, this, I can remember like books of these. And then, wow, these are gorgeous. This is the shitty part of the episode where <laughs> Michael Perkins gets to look at the insect collection, but nobody else does. And you have to listen to me, ooh and ah. But, uh, <laughs> ooh, wow. Each one of these has a story, huh? Yeah. This was my uh, undergraduate collection, so I collected them. Uh, Can I point the ones out to you that I've seen? 
<laughs> I've seen this one out in the wild. That's an I'd click beetle. Okay, okay. Uh, I've seen that. Oh, the fiery searcher. Fiery searcher. Those, and I've seen one of these guys. These usually get when there's like cold fronts that come in. Those so. things get like blown in. The one with the horn. Oh, so that's actually a type of dung beetle. Wow, maybe not. Maybe they're just, I don't know where they come from, but I've always imagined that they come in on the wind. Um, I've come seen in some, on the dung. The dung? I'm down with that. <laughs> uh, uh, these mantises I've seen, these walking sticks. Um, gosh, is that a murder hornet? Uh, no, that's a cicada killer. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, of course, stink bugs, cicadas. I like how you keep them kind of separated so that they... <laughs> Don't take it personally. <laughs> yeah. It looks like a little bees over here. This is your bee collection. Mm -hmm. You have Apis mellifera over here somewhere? I do, yeah. Nice. There she is. So, yeah, you collect... I, I mean, you don't collect bees. You have... Bees. I did collect bees for a time, and um, and then I would share them with other people. I, I My hive got knocked out in the winter, um, this past winter. And what I'm do you mean a, knocked down? Like, uh, the cold... Like they weren't uh, established. They weren't established enough. But I'm, I like to, I kind of believe in like a fluid, beehive, uh, bee having situation where, the, the, the home of where the bees are, can be occupied or unoccupied, and it's really the, you know, it's the intention of having them, and then the trajectory of time of when they're there and when they're not. So, um, as the, as the population dictates in the area. Yeah. So there's something called absconding, but I'm not really in a big in a, big into absconding. If the bees leave, it's because they didn't want to be there. Yeah. And so they'll come back if they want to. So it's mm -hmm. like trying to create a an ideal environment where that they want to be there. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I did beehive removals since I was 21. Are you saying that... Um, have you had a hive completely empty and then bees moved in? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that happens in lots of situations. In people's homes, it happens all the time. Well, I know that. I know yeah. in people's homes. Well, but have you created a, a... Yeah. You're doing it in boxes, right? Yeah, in a, in a top bar hive is how I like to keep them. That's the typical... That is the typical is a laying strip, and it's like a commercial type beekeeping setting. It just doesn't have the same... The intentions for the hive are different. And so thus, there's a lot more like management that goes involved. I'm like a kind of a hands-off. So, all right, well... That's been pretty fun. I actually have... Mm -hmm. um, I worked at the Honey Bee Lab at a &M. Dude! Uh, Whoa! Mostly collecting... Can I get more of this? Yeah. Sweet. Um, mostly collecting feral honeybees. Mm-hmm. That was how I initially got involved. Um, Dude, I've, I've signed up with A&M. You know, like I have my... Uh, oh, here, I'll do that for you. <laughs> I, uh, you know, have my my removals license with them and, and my apiary registered with them and called them and told them about, you know, hot bees, which is a term for, like, a bee that's really busy and aggressive. They, ma they make a lot of honey, but they sting because they really want to keep it. Yeah. So, basically, um, without going into too much detail, uh... Hmm. There was a a bee study at A and M, um, and it was through my advisor's like 
Um, it was one of my advisor students who had done this study, I can't remember, like 15 or 20 years prior. Yeah. At this one wildlife refuge. By the way, these things are, you're more than, if you like the licorice anise, like it kind of, it builds up and you got, got to eat more and more. <laughs> All right. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's kind of probably an addiction thing. <laughs> so, uh, mm -hmm. so randomly this other professor came in she's a bee biologist and she was like hey i want to redo that study at the same refuge can one of your students help out and so he sent me and it basically involved me climbing climbing trees in a bee suit and collecting uh feral feral bees for, awesome for genetic and and we also had to locate and gps all these trees and Bad there ass. were a ton of them out this at this wildlife refuge and um you know the genetics were a mix of like the the killer bees the africanized bees and mm -hmm. the european honeybee sure there's and, some russians in here too yeah we have some russians and then for multiple years i went to pennsylvania to basically do the same kind of thing um for now how did you locate the hives have you ever heard of bee lining yes so I had a bee lining box. Okay. Um, all right. So my box consisted of two chambers. Mm -hmm. Some have the three chambers, but I had a two chamber box. All you need is two chambers. Uh, hopefully you can follow this. Mm -hmm. um, the listeners, I'm talking to the listeners too. Yeah. yeah. All right. So <clears throat> I won't take that personally. One opening uh, of this box one chamber you know you, you mm -hmm. collect the bees and you put them in that chamber mm -hmm. um, the other chamber has a window yeah and there's a slot in between that you can open okay between the two chambers yeah so you open the window on the other chamber and you open the slot between the two chambers and they move towards the light yeah right so now they're in that hidden now you can put that slot back and they're yeah. in that back chamber you collect let's say five to ten bees and you open that window you move them into that back chamber and you close it and you keep doing that until you have those five to ten bees in that back chamber right cool does that make sense yeah it does okay so now what you do is you take a piece of honeycomb and this is why i'm grateful that you gave me honeycomb okay you take a piece of honeycomb and you put it in that front chamber that's completely empty because they're all in that back chamber right now yeah and you have some honey sitting in the honeycomb. And you open the chamber, then, like you close the door, you open the slot between the two chambers, and they're like, honey. This is what we came for. This is like amazing. <laughs> like, no need to make honey, no need to like, you know, collect nectar uh -huh. and, and make honey from nectar. This is like ready to go. Yeah. So they, they fill up, you just wait, you know, you wait. Uh, yeah. Maybe ten minutes or something, okay. and they're all just like slurped up all that honey. Yeah. And um, you find a place for the bee box, like a stool or something, in the, in the field. Yeah. And you set it on the stool, and you open the the uh, you know opening to the outside world, and the bees, like. They basically do these little loops. Yeah, 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 yeah. And they're like taking note of where they are. Mm -hmm. Because they're like, this is a, a Bee precious... Bee orienteering. This is like a precious uh, resource right now. There's like pure honey yeah. that we don't have to convert into 
nectar. Um, let me get my bearings and find out where I am. And then they fly back to their, their colonies, right? Beeline. And then they recruit. So they'll go back to their colonies and they're doing their little waggle dance and they're telling other bees where to find pure honey. So now bees... Whoa. So now you've got your bee box there. Mm -hmm. You set your little honeycomb on top of the bee box mm -hmm. and you keep adding honey to it if they, if they start to drain it dry. Yeah. But... Um, <laughs> uh, you can dab bees with some non-toxic paint um, and that can then you can start timing them how long how long is it between when they leave and when they come back and you're also trying to look at which direction they're flying right Dude. once you have an idea of which direction they're flying and yeah. how long it's taking them mm -hmm. you put the honeycomb back in the chamber they'll land up like you want to take say you're like following blue you're like oh blue seems like he's like a minute away mm -hmm. um i'm gonna wait till blue comes and lands on the honeycomb i'm gonna close him in the box i'm gonna move him with the honeycomb in the direction that i think he his hive or i say keep saying him yeah yeah it's her sorry about that they them i mean you gotta get it right yeah, I mean, who knows what they... Um, Refer to themselves as. Right. So, um, from a biological perspective, let me just say her, though. Yeah, yeah. So, you're moving in the direction of her hive, mm -hmm. and um, and you set it up again, you, you open the door, and then you time her again. Mm -hmm. And hopefully you're like, oh, I'm only like 15 seconds away, you know, from, Dang. from where her her hive is yeah let me start looking around in that direction of where she keeps you know coming and going from yeah and, then, and her sisters and then you know hopefully it's just a tree nearby and you find the cavity or whatever cool um, uh, yeah so that was the method to find them and then um yeah sometimes it involves scrambling up a tree in a bee suit and dude that's awesome uh, the reason i asked that is because i once went to um Tanzania to climb Kilimanjaro uh -huh. and we went on a walking safari me and Kate I was actually just with Kate uh, earlier today on my way over here the little stop off to see her and her husband Scotty um, and we went around with two walking guides and we found a beehive mm -hmm. in a tree mm -hmm. and like I, I of course like went into the hole to like look at it and one, one stung me in the ear and as it was stinging me, I looked over and I could locked eyes with our guide, mm -hmm. and then I just like crushed the the offending bee, and um, and and backed up from the hive because it's like a it's a matter of like um, uh, distance between me and the hive that changes like the you know whether or not they want to like fully on start war. Uh, and they, they told me uh, while we were on this walk that like the um, the locals would use like a type of bird that was like a honeybee catcher mm -hmm. and they would follow the bird to the hives. Mm -hmm. so. I, I've seen that I've seen cat birds in Pennsylvania do that just dive into a hole 
Whoa. You know, and come out with a mouthful of bees. Dude, whoa. Yeah. That's incredible. So it happens here in America, too. Yeah. Cool. Different. No reference different point birds, for that. But there are, I think there are birds that are, like, specialized for, like, the, what did you call them? Honey eaters? Or uh, man, honey, eaters honey or... bush. Honey bush bird. <laughs> I some kind of bush. I want to say some, some kind of bush specialized bird. bird. Yeah, yeah. It's a honey catcher. That's what it was. Yeah. I think, it, I mean, that was the English terminology. I right, didn't catch sure. the... Yeah. Um, did you get a reaction like from other bees from the crushing? No, luckily I they they I backed away from the hot. Yeah, because sometimes you know that like warning pheromone comes out. Oh yeah, and I was with African bees. You know, I'm like in like you know people had said these African you know in in the U S we're like Africanized just means they're hot and like ready to get you, mm-hmm. and and here I'm in Africa, and a bee's stinging me, and I'm like. You know, it's on, but I kind of knew that I I had learned proper, um, uh, not protocols, I want to say something more like related to like human interaction, which is like um, uh, etiquette. Mm -hmm. And I just backed away Mm -hmm. and they they let me be. Um, Where's the worst place you've been stung? I had one crawl into my nose once. And I had to, I squeezed my nostrils, and then I had one, I've had a bee fly into my mouth, and I've, and chomped her. Did you get stung in your mouth? I did not get stung. I was able to. I guess you're right, so I wasn't stung either time. Um, in the nose either? You didn't get stung? No. The, the one that I remember, it was like the first time that I ever really had my, this was a, a sting where I was, I was doing a beehive removal for the first time as a young man. I was like mm-hmm. 21. And I knew nothing. It was like my. It was like learning about women. Um, it was like I just was just a bull in a china cabinet. Uh, and I, I, um, I had this little tiny suit, and it had a really like uh, like a man in the yellow hat style like depth to it. Mm-hmm. And um, and I had just climbed off this ladder where I was pulling a piece of siding off. To, instead of cutting it away, I was like trying to rip it off, but it was like 10 feet tall. So like, as I pulled, each time the flap hit the hive again, it sh- shot out bees and spread pheromone and, and upset them. And it was just like, I had created this mad beehive. Mm-hmm. And like, I was like looking out on, and it's summertime and I'm sweating and I'm like dehydrated and I'm being stung in my, in my arms because I'm wearing these gloves. And, and I was in a suit, and I was thinking, like, it's like a space suit. I'm invincible. Like, I can do whatever I want to these bees. Yeah. <laughs> like, I had, like, a thousand stings. Yeah. And I was just, like, enduring them and, like, gritting it out. Kind of like we were talking about, you know, like, you know, not knowing, not communicating. Mm-hmm. And I was just telling myself, like, come on. You know, just keep doing it. Just keep going. I'm not listening. Mm-hmm. I'm killing the messenger. And uh, And these bees are, like sending all their messengers and like they're trying to let me know hey man like back away from the hive like we have to do this and so finally i get like i watch a guy get like run off and get stung like off like 25 yards in the street Mm -hmm. like uh and uh i hop down and i had the brim of the hat just like on my forehead Mm -hmm. and i went to squat to kind of rest and the the brim slipped off and the mesh came to my face. Mm-hmm. And all these bees are trying to sting me in the face. And one stings me in the nose, and I'm like, <gasps> and I've been stung, like my arms are so stung up, and I'm just like pumping with adrenaline and, and bee venom. 
and uh, and I, and it stings me in the nose, and I'm like sneezing like a honey bear, mm-hmm. and uh, and that was like probably that night I went home. That sounds pretty bad. I went home and I my arms swelled up like the Michelin Man, and I tried to go to bed, and I was like at this time I didn't take medicine. I was like, who man doesn't need medicine? Like he heals himself. Mm-hmm. So so I I ended up sleeping on my arms for three days until the to the inflammation went down, and then after that I was pretty much immune. Wow. Cool. Yeah. Let's take a little break. Cool. Hey, we're back. Um, hey, hey. Did you want to... We, we brought up addiction. Yeah. You um, mentioned that you kind of wanted to come back to that. I really... Addiction has been something that I just had a realization about last night because um, I had a car accident recently and it was a... Um, it was not a car accident. It was actually a... Um, in my text, let's see. It was a. I am grabbing the proper nomenclature. It was a collision caused by another person's negligence. Okay. Um, but I um, I knocked my head, and I uh, had it's been like, actually totally life changing situation. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had been reading this book by Annie Duke up to this moment called Thinking in Bets because I was really it had piqued my interest um, and in the book she talks about um, how effective the 12 step program is in making change for people okay. I'm familiar with like Alcoholics Anonymous yeah and she describes, like, before she leads up to that, she describes, like, having a group that one can go to where it's a safe space where they can talk about a particular kind of a subject. So, like, what better place to do that than, people, like, all different kinds of walks of life, all different kinds of experiences of people who've just fallen, some of them have fallen flat on their face and they had to, like, like go through this kind of, these 12 steps to get to this other side. Mm-hmm. And so one of the things you have to do is say, I'm an alcoholic. And that was like, holy cow, you know? Like, uh, no, I'm not. You know, I don't have a problem kind of thing. But I, I had kind of been edging up on my 33rd birthday and was like kind of like looking at my trajectory. And and so this book helped me, helped me look through a different lens of it. And then also having, you know, Thomas to, um, you know, having gone into into the program. Um, was in, in what like his how how did he kind of talk about his experience? I haven't listened to the podcast. Well, I mean, he hit some serious lows. Mm-hmm. Um, and for him, it was not just alcohol. It was, I mean, he talked about coke and like other drugs and things like that. Yeah. And he would. He. Would, he would get to these experiences that he couldn't remember what had happened and he had made an ass of himself and he had to like pick up the consequences yeah and it just became a regular thing for him and it instead of like you know i think about times too where i've i've gotten blackout drunk and done some things and i'm like that sounds kind of fun or like i i sounded like i was pretty silly like that was probably fun to be to witness for y'all, you know yeah. what I mean. But he didn't have that experience. He he basically was like embarrassed about some of these experiences. And yeah. Stuff. And he he um decided that 
And I mean, it's taken him multiple times. I think. Well, I think that's the thing. It's a transition. It's not like a. It's like a slow. It's a process. And Um, he talks about that relapsing isn't bad. Yeah. Even, like, it's not about that. Yeah, it's about personal growth. I mean, he's been just like a shining example of that. And I had, um, I went to the park one day with him, and I had, I had read this passage, and I asked him, I was like, "Hey, dude, what about these, you know, these meetings?" Um, because I had admired like how he had had been growing, and like in our in our growing relationship, and uh, and I and I had thought to myself, like, you know, I would really like to just redefine my relationship with substances yeah um and i i started i was like well if i'm gonna go to alcoholics anonymous the first thing i found out after a few meetings was like okay i can say i'm an alcoholic i wasn't gonna do it i was like you know i'm gonna go in there and i'm gonna i'm gonna listen um and uh i i did and it was just it was really kind of the medicine that that i needed to kind of continue my self-exploration well, I mean, I think about it. Did we talk about this? But, like, you know, there's a stigma about mental health and all this stuff, yeah. especially with men. That, like, Is that why don't... they call it mental health? <laughs> I don't know about that. What about mental health? I mean, are we talking about that? I'm <laughs> <laughs> just kidding. Um, but... I mean, yeah, I, I guess basically what I'm getting at is, like, yeah. here's this community where you're not going to be judged for talking about that stuff, and it's basically therapy. It's therapy. You know what I totally, mean? Totally, man. It's, and it's free? Yeah, yeah, it's self-sustaining. And, um, like, eventually, like, I mean, now I donate. I'm like, man, I donate to this. It's such a, for me, I see the, the brilliance in the 12 Steps. But yeah, so it's basically this opportunity to say how you really feel about stuff and be accepted for it and not feel like you're being judged or whatever. It's like, God, that's got to be great. I mean, like, I feel like, you know, for the longest time, I bottled up my mental health. Yeah. I didn't want to share it. I thought I was embarrassed or I didn't want help or who knows what, but like... I did too, my first therapy, like when the woman, my therapist got me to cry i was like i'm never coming back yeah. <laughs> and i didn't and i i i ran away from it for for years and then now i like kind of it's this resurgence i mean through the health museum kind of helped me learn you know reduce the stigma for me because um that was a like a mental health month and i saw you know and then also looked at the i was kind of looking through a collection from the miniger institute which they no longer they were donating to us um, and it was like, man, people used to like, it, it's been a historical thing. I mean, it was totally an outcast kind of, you know, you send people to an, an a, a sanitarium. Yeah. Don't talk about these things. So it's nice to, to get to talk about it. And so I had this, had this, uh, conversation with my brother and he's like, you know, Michael, we're just really not sure that, you know, you're an alcoholic. I was, he's like, I was like, oh, well, you think it's addiction? And then I had this, I said, you know what? I'm an addict. I am an addict. Thank you. I had a moment like this with a friend where I was like, I am an artist. Um, and I said, you know, and I had learned the etymology of the word addict is to worship. 
Mm-hmm. And so I was like, I, I, I really, that resonated with me, the ability to worship. And it sort of empowered me to be like, okay, I can choose what it is that I worship. Mm-hmm. And, and then going in and listening to people talk about how they learned to, to you know, use phrases or, you know, or what kind of tools they used for the, like, the therapy kind of reference mm-hmm. um, has been very meaningful. Um, and uh, so that's, that was the, my revelation was I'm an addict. And that applies to, like, I can, like, look at that through my lens through, like, all sorts of, like, my jog, you know, like, jogging or shooting a bow or something. And they switch and they flow and they move based on, like, what I prioritize. Yeah. I think I, I think I've talked about that, too. I don't use the word addict as much as I use the word, like, I binge things. You know what I mean? Uh Uh-huh. And, uh... What What is the etymology of binge? I don't know, but, like, I don't have a TV... And I hardly ever watch shows or anything now. You know, there were times in my life where I did. But I'm so glad you've gotten off TV, man. That was like I had I had to get off TV. But like, I'll go house or dog sit for my sister, and I will binge watch a, stuff. You a know period I mean? of excessive indulgence in an activity, especially eating, drinking, or taking drugs. So like dopamine kind of things. Yeah, I mean, like when I run. Hmm. I feel like I have to do, like, the most extreme shit, you know what I mean? Like, I I don't just, like, run a couple miles. I gotta run, like, 11 miles through, like, briars and... Brambles. Brambles. And, yeah. Um, I, like, kind of indulge in, like, I don't know, binge on that whatever access, it is, yeah. you know? Like, I've gotta... Uh, like, when I go climbing or something, <clears throat> too, or whatever it is, I don't know, I kind of binge. I, uh, I feel you there. I had that pattern... I had that patterning, and one of the things that I learned about jogging from me, myself was is I, in behavior, and I learned this through Atomic Habits um, by James Clear. He's like the Fortune 500 guy on, on habits. There's another one that's out recently by a guy named Duhigg. I can't remember, but my friend Victoria read that. Of Barbara Bush Literacy Foundation, YPG fame. Um, and uh, it's it's, there's like little cues there's a there's a habit is a it's an expression of a system that is resultant from an identity so it's like I am an addict I go to a you know group therapy session where people talk about these things in order to have these positive healthy habits that look like you know um you know, passing on, you know, maybe going to sleep that night (laughs) or like, you know, like, uh, and then it ultimately becomes like other sorts of interpersonal, like, um, you know, once that, once the drugs and alcohol are removed, there's like other layers of therapy that begin to take place. But, um, the, uh, I lost my train of thought there. But uh, because I brought up James Clear, but oh, the cue. So for for jogging, I when my heart would begin to beat faster, that would usually cue me to be like, "Ooh, this feels good. Let me go harder." Mm-hmm. And then I would, and that's so when I was running, I used to be like, "Man, whoa, whoa, whoa!" Like, duh. 
and then <clears throat> for jogging, it was like, okay, I put a watch on, and when my heart would beat faster, I would cue myself to slow down. Mm-hmm. So then that's how I was able to like be gentle yet firm with myself. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, and that's it's been kind of this, it's been a good direction for me at the moment. Yeah, I've kind of moved away from my more adolescent phase, maybe more into manhood. Yeah, phase of understanding. There's like a lots more um, uh, responsibilities. Sure. Um, and so it's kind of moving from the boy to the man. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so I'm kind of been. I there's a there's a book on it of, of like masculinity, but kind of like more engaging more with my masculine. My masculine self, and that is like an engagement with femininity as well. I mean, I have sisters and aunts, and lots of good examples of like feminine arch- of uh, archetypes, and mm-hmm. so that's been kind of realizing that that there are mul- these multi energetic, multi verse of energies that to interact with and to be. So that if I go excess, there's sort of a finite amount of energy of me that then I'm like the web of my life is getting pulled to it you know over here like there's a the thread of the sweater might get unraveled to make a um, Zoolander reference (laughs) yeah that's interesting um yeah I don't know do you have siblings I have um I have five siblings oh wow yeah one of six I'm the oldest male I have a sister that's older than me so I'm kind of I'm in the middle Um, I'm a middle child yet I'm the oldest male yeah it's kind of an interesting setup and then yeah then I have a brother and then uh, a sister and then a brother a sister so there's three girls and three boys okay yeah I just have an older sister yeah, and, and what's the what's the gap on that? And are you the younger? I'm the younger. Yeah, yeah, uh, two years. And I feel like uh, when we're talking about like masculinity and stuff, I feel like I have. It's like hard for me to define, but I feel like I mm-hmm. have like with her growing up. And being a role model to me, I feel like I have a lot of, um, I don't know, I mean, I want to call it, like, more feminine uh, qualities or something, mm-hmm. or, like, and and I don't know, this might be, like, for me to say that, you know, like, some other people might disagree or whatever, but, yeah. but I really do feel that way, like, I... You're in touch with your feminine. I think so. Yeah, I would say. Um, and I tend to... I tend to gravitate more towards uh, friendships with women, like real, like true friendships. Mm-hmm. Um, most of my best friends, I would say, are, are all women. Um, and I have always felt more comfortable talking to them about personal things mm-hmm. than with men until recently, I'd say. Mm-hmm. Um, recently I've been more open with just about anyone but um, sure anybody but, who will listen <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> but uh, historically yes yeah, 
It was like just my girlfriends that I would like open up to. Yeah. Um, you know, I think that's why people say it's good to have a therapist because it's like this one sort of continuing thread. Your girlfriends can come and go. Yeah. So like that maybe have like a. I still have all these friends and like. Oh yeah. I still chat with them. Yeah. Oh awesome. Yeah. Oh, so like girlfriends. Yeah, girl. Like, like actual friends, friends. Or girls. Yeah, yeah, friends or girls. Yeah. Not partner partners. No, no. Mm-hmm. I mean them too, but yeah. But I have consistent friends who are girls who okay. I come, I come back to all the time to talk about personal stuff. That's awesome, and they love it. Well, I think they like me. Yeah. You know oh. we're. Yeah, and I reciprocate. I listen to them about their stuff, mm-hmm. and um, I don't think it's that they love <laughs> yeah, that, that kind of conversation all the time. I think that it's that they they're my friends and they care about me or whatever. That's good. And I, I hear you there. So I hear you there. But yeah, I don't know where else I was really going with that, except to say, I think kind of a masculine feminine conversation, therapy, and talking and interpersonal interpersonal exploration. Yeah. Well, did you have anything else to say about addiction? Should we come back to that or um hmm it's a i I love that it's like a mental health thing. I think it's a um, ultimately, I feel it's like a mental health scenario sure um, and uh, it's awesome to I feel awesome having finally put the, that piece of the puzzle together for myself yeah um, I, I see like kind of a long road ahead of me that I'm looking forward to like taking each step mm-hmm. um, and it's uh, in my grandmother's house when I was younger she had a, a stitched piece of art that said yard by yard life is hard inch by inch it's a cinch mm-hmm. and I feel like lately I've been getting into like the millimeters of it I've, I've kind of gone more metric um <laughs> on her <laughs> yeah uh, yeah, yeah for sure yeah. I I am experiencing that with my van I finally have, like I think getting started on my van was so fucking hard yeah and now that I've like done something what'd you do I put the roof rack and the vent in. Dude, sweet. And the and vent then, is like uh, for the AC or. I mean, yeah, it's it's just a fan, but Cause, um. Because the AC is just tearing up in here as I'm have a little sweat going. Yeah, I mean, I don't have an AC running right now. I love it. I think Houston weather this time of the year is really awesome. But yeah, basically what I'm getting at is mm-hmm. like, now, I can just keep doing little projects and like. Getting started was the hard part because in my head it was like such a, is such a big chore when I thought about all the things that I had to do. Mm-hmm. And now if I just think of like the little, like oh well this weekend let me just do one little thing you know. Yeah, like a step. Yeah. A component. Mm-hmm. And it's like oh it seems so much more bearable now. It seems doable. Yeah. When before it was like, God it seems like a lot of work. I'm just not gonna do it. Well, so in the Chinese, it it's like the journey of a thousand miles begins with the first step. Yeah, And sure. then in, in Tanzan, in, in the Swahili, it's like Haba Nahaba Hijozuki Baba, which is step by step, you climb the mountain. 
I like that. I like the alliteration. Mm, yeah, that one's really good. One. That one went a long way. I got to hike uh, Kilimanjaro with my friend Kate. I did it in sandals, very similar to what you're wearing right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and the locals would like look at me, and there would be like a look on their face of confusion. And then, because I'm a Mzungu, white guy, mm-hmm. and to look back and just say haba na haba, and they would fill in the rest of the saying because it was like a cultural idiom. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I have been, <laughs> I, I'm fascinated by those kinds of, uh, you know, earlier you're talking about kind of like. Uh, poetry while you're walking around mm-hmm. um, and uh, I think that's like kind of the memes of the past were these like poems and these sayings yeah and they still now they kind of exist in, on the internet as like but like uh, yeah yard by yard life is hard inch by inch it's a cinch that would have you know, been something that some grandmother would have told you yeah right and it would have been like what does that even mean grandma <laughs> and then, like, you have some kind of, like, big task to undertake. It's like, oh, that is the piece of dopamine that I needed to, like, connect the motivation to, like, do the little thing right? to make it get going. Yeah. Start the machine. Yeah. Well, mm-hmm. I think that's, I think we could wrap this I up I think it wrap it up sounds great I'm, I'm almost done with my kombucha. kombucha thank you for that yeah no problem thank you Chris yeah thank you Michael I enjoyed this conversation a lot mm-hmm. the sun is setting the sun is basically set yeah okay well thank you again <sighs> awesome alright bye bye hey everyone thanks for listening to the episode I hope you enjoyed it um I'm here at the end to talk to you about uh, the charitable organization that I've chosen for this month. And if you listened to uh, the episode in January with Kaylin, you heard about Refugee Services of Texas, um, and that's going to be the charitable organization for this month. So this uh, organization uh, works with resettling refugees, empowering survivors of human trafficking, and serving asylees and asylum seekers. Um, and if you want to hear a lot more about what they do, listen to the episode with Kaylin. Um, and for those of you who aren't familiar with what I'm talking about with the whole charitable organization thing, basically any money that I get from the podcast at the end of the month, I donate half of it to a charitable organization. So I raise money through the ads and from contributions from listeners. So, um, ways to contribute and include listening because every time the ad gets played, I get um, some money, and also telling other people to listen and um, by making contributions. So, um, yeah, tell other people to listen. Maybe you don't care that much if other people listen, um, or maybe you just want to help me out make and you know help me make money. So just uh, maybe when you're leaving your house, say, hey, Alexa, play the Swamp and Wolf podcast, and then just walk out of your place. Um, that's a good way that I can make some money just by having it play while you're gone. So, uh, yeah. And now we're going to end the the segment, uh, or end the show with, um, a segment from our guest. Enjoy. (sighs) Yawning. Okay. So this is a song that I sing to myself, um, for awareness. And I woke up this morning for my morning jog inspired by Chris.
Um, and uh, it goes a little something like this. Robin Hood and Little John walking through the forest, laughing back and forth at what the other one has to say. Reminiscing this and that and having such a good time. Oodle lolly, oodle lolly, golly, what a day. Never ever thinking there was danger in the water they were drinking, they just guzzled it down. Never dreaming that a scheming sheriff and his posse was watching them and gathering around. Well, Robin Hood, little John, running through the forest, jumping fences, dodging trees, trying to get away. Contemplating nothing but escaping, barely making it. Oodle lolly, oodle lolly, golly, what a day. Oodle lolly, oodle lolly, golly, what a day.